All right. Well, hello, everybody. And hello, Dan Walsh. You're, you're here to give us a preview for the Red Hat Summit. So welcome, Dan. How's it going? Yeah, this has become an annual uh, event, I guess, uh, you and I talking about uh, all the stuff that's going on at the summit. Yeah, you're you're just yeah. you're just going to attend this year, right? You, you're not doing anything. Yeah, I'm just, just going right. uh, to show up. You're there for the meals. Not talk to any customers and stuff. It'll be very quiet, I'm sure. Uh, no, <laughs> they got your hammock. Yeah. As usual, my uh, uh, calendar is becoming very red. And uh, yes. I'm also having a lot of trouble figuring out the time zones, so I'm putting in oh. data in, in wrong and off by three hours and trying to figure yeah. out that. So, um, But, yeah, it should be a, a very exciting. I, do you know what the number is? Is this 13, 14? How many summits is this? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It all seems <laughs> it all blurs together because as soon as we're done with this summit, we're getting ready for the next one. Right, right, right. I've been I've been to them all, but I can't. Uh, there've been so many that I can't even count them at this point. But yeah. uh, this one this one's going to be pretty exciting. Um, obviously, uh, to the I mean, to me, the biggest news is uh, the merger with CoreOS. So uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to that, and uh, uh, find out uh, we'll be announcing I guess some information about what we're going to be doing with the merger. But yeah. um, so it's really exciting. Uh, we were talking before the. Uh, um, before I came on and um, back at KubeCon this past uh, December, I was attended a talk by CoreOS. Uh, actually, it was one of their evangelists. Mm -hmm. And uh, he was uh, talking about all the stuff that CoreOS had done um, over the last few years. And it's funny because one, one of the talks I'm giving at the summit is called Next Generation Tools for Container Technology and covers a mm -hmm. bunch of the bunch of the tools that we've been developing to make uh, running containers uh, better and easier. Mm -hmm. um, but when I went to this talk, it was unbelievable how much uh, that I didn't realize the CoreOS had done. And when I started listening and remembering what they had done, a lot of the new technology that we're building is totally because of CoreOS and that CoreOS had influenced the container technologies in such a way uh, going back i mean the, the biggest thing that CoreOS did is uh to me is you know they were heavily influential in causing the uh, oci open container initiative to happen um so we uh, uh oci you know uh, for those that don't know is a standards body that got generated to make sure that we had a standard um uh container image format um mm -hmm. and a container runtime mm -hmm. um, so if you think think about what's Docker did a few years ago is they, you know, invented this new image format, this new way of shipping software around the internet. Um, and most people call those, you know, Docker images or container images. Uh, but they, they had this format and everybody adopted it very quickly. Um, but CoreOS uh, didn't like the fact that there was no standard around it. Um, so CoreOS, uh, who was developing Rocket at the time, um, mm -hmm. decided that they would, uh, um, you know, try to standardize on a format that they could take advantage of. And they, they created what was called the FC spec or app, application container specification. Um, and what happened then is all of a sudden we had two formats. So we, we had the traditional Docker format and we had this new new format. And I had the, the horrible feeling of what happened, you know, 20 some odd years ago when so the Linux world split and there became two formats for shipping software, you know, the Debian format Packages, and RPM. Yeah. Yeah, RPM. And we really didn't want that to happen. So um, so a bunch of the big vendors and, you know, like um, 
Red Hat, uh, IBM, uh, Microsoft, Google, Docker, uh, CoreOS, and a few others got together and said, no, we can't have this happen. We have to you know, form a standards and actually specify what it means to be a container image in the environment. And that's, that was the birth of um, OCI. Mm-hmm. And uh, so now we have the OCI image format, which was standardized about a year ago, and we have the OCI runtime specification, which explains how you know what it means to run a container. And both those technologies came out of OCI and allow us to be able to build new tools and new uh, technologies to to run containers, build containers, and you know manage containers and you know large scale. Um, and doesn't make everybody have to only do it one way, which, you know, so we have alternatives to, you know, just doing everything underneath the Docker daemon. Mm-hmm. Um, and so CoreOS was key to that. The next interesting thing that CoreOS did is um, um, they uh, developed a networking standard uh, called CNI, which stands for Container Network Interface. And what they wanted to do here was to define an API that, um, container runtimes could talk to and that networking people who wanted to provide specialized networking software um, could basically build a plugin interface. So if you implemented the API, then your container runtimes would would be able to talk to your networking interface and be able to create different types of networks. Um, So that was CNI and that was also developed out of CoreOS. And the last thing that CoreOS did is, um, if you go back a uh, few years, Kubernetes has sort of taken over the world as the uh, chief orchestrator. But if you looked at Kubernetes two or three years ago, Kubernetes was heavily embedded with the Docker Engine API. So Kubernetes, everything Kubernetes did was calling out to the Docker Engine API. And again, CoreOS wanted to get people to use Rocket, and they wanted to use Rocket underneath uh, Kubernetes. So they went to um, they went to Google and basically gave them a huge patch set that really sort of if then else the Kubernetes code and said, uh, if you're using Docker, make this call. If you're going to use Rocket, you make this call. And Kubernetes, upstream Kubernetes, people had sort of a nightmare that, you know, all of a sudden every container runtime on the planet is going to come to them and say, oh, add my, you know, LXC or add right. my system D spawn or whatever. And so Kubernetes decided to turn it on its ear and say, you know, instead of us, um, you know, taking everybody's patches for every type of container runtime, we're going to define a interface called the CRI or container runtime interface. Um, and basically, you know, Google said, if you imp- if you want to have a container runtime that Kubernetes will talk to, you have to implement this um, container runtime or CRI interface, and then you just tell, you know, point uh, the Google will talk uh, this API to you know, Unix domain socket, and boom, you're up and running. Mm-hmm. Um, so so CoreOS by introducing or trying to get Rocket into Kubernetes opened up the CRI um, interface. So mm-hmm. now we go forward a, a year and a half ago, and on my team, we decided to, we were looking at CRI, and um, we decided that, uh, hmm, you know, the CRI seems like a pretty simple thing, and we have OCI container images, and we have OCI um, runtimes and tools to, to build these. Why don't we build a really simple 
uh, engine for running, uh, you know, implementing uh, the CRI for Kubernetes. And so we invented this thing called Cryo. So it's the CRI for Container Runtime Interface, and the O stands for o Open Container Initiative, OCI. So we have Cryo now, and um, we've my team's been developing it for the last year and a half. And Cryo is now fully supported in RHEL and uh, underneath OpenShift. And so you can now use OpenShift on top of you know, OpenShift's Red Hat's um, enterprise version of Kubernetes, and it talks to a Cryo daemon. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the cool things about Cryo is it's totally tied to um, totally tied to Kubernetes. Um, we won't. We actually have so many tests in Cryo now to make sure that it never breaks Kubernetes. That um, just trying to get patches into Cryo is uh, uh, can can be a Herculean task. I think there's nine different test suites that are running. Uh, so everything, everything, every test suite that we can find for Kubernetes to make sure that Cryo will continue to work properly uh, mm -hmm. has to run before any PIs get merged in. Um, hmm. Also, unlike other container runtimes, we're not in, we're not interested in other orchestrators. So we don't support any orchestrators that doesn't talk to CRI. And of course, that's what Kubernetes talks. So. Um, so Cryo is, is uh, quickly ramping up, and uh, it's, as I said, it's fully supported. Uh, right now, if you get OpenShift, so you can have the choice to run it with a Docker Engine API or with uh, Cryo. Um, and hopefully, uh, the next release or two, uh, Cryo will become the default uh, runtime. It's, it's looking really, really good. And we've gotten a lot of, um, a lot of uh, upstream contributors now. Uh, Intel is a huge contributor, but we got uh, hmm. Suzy's jumping on it. We're seeing all sorts of distributions now starting to ship Cryo, and we're hearing all sorts of stories about different, uh, um, you know, different products and stuff like that using Cryo inside of it. So Cryo is um, is really, you know, that's one of my next generation tools that's really come a long way. Um, another tool that I talk about at the summit is this thing called Builder, and uh, that's got a little bit of a funny story to it that, uh, uh, you know, one of the things we did when we built Cryo is we also wanted to build out libraries to store software on top of, uh, you know, store your container images on disk. Um, there's a, uh, a library called Containers Storage, and we also needed a library to pull and push images from uh, container registries, and that's called Containers uh, image and so we had these libraries built out for cryo and last year uh, one of the engineers who works with me is uh, now and i by um i said why don't we build a little t tool that can uh, i called it the core core utilities for uh, uh building to containers uh, container images and i said i wanted to build a tool to build these oci images and not have to have a you know big fat container daemon sitting out there Mm -hmm. um, and we could build it on top of container storage. And, and really what I wanted is, is just to be, you know, use Bash to be able to build container images. Um, and so uh, he, this was at DevConf last year, and he said, well, what do you want me to call it? I don't know, just call it Builder. And of course he made fun of my Boston accent and uh, he called it Builder with an A-H instead of the R. Uh, so Builder nice. is, uh, is a tool that actually allows you to, uh, you know, just, you know, there's a builder from command that pulls down a container from a container registry, stores it on disk, and then you can do a builder mount, and that just mounts up at a mount point. And then you can just start copying content into the directory into the mount point. 
Um, and when you're done with the, you know, creating the content, you can just do a build a commit and that will actually create a container image. And if you want to push it to any container registry, you do a build a push. Um, and it's that simple. It's, uh, you know, I, I, I do a lot of joking in my talks about these different tools that I've created to build container images like copy and make and, you know, uh, um, uh, DNF or yum install and um, but really all I'm doing is taking advantage of, of sort of your traditional uh, Unix or Linux tools that are available in the operating system uh, mm -hmm. to build mm -hmm. container images and really trying to simplify what it means to build a container image of course builder also has to support docker files since that's you know sort of become the standard but and it runs totally without um, any any big container runtime so you don't have to it doesn't talk to cryo it doesn't talk to the docker daemon it just builds the things locally and you know it's a sort of a traditional fork and exec processes underneath uh, um, and it runs things in containers using run c and stuff like that which is also part of the oci spec mm -hmm. um, but builder is a tool that you know a lot again it's getting a lot of interest uh, a lot of people really want to be able to build containers container images um inside of Kubernetes, for instance. So you can imagine your, your, your build farm, you want to farm out hundreds of containers that all the containers are actually building container images. Um, and so a lot of people are experimenting now with running Builder as part of a container image. And since it's all just a simple program that you know you, you run, it doesn't you know have to have daemons and things like that running. It just runs inside of containers. Hmm. Um, so the, the, the real nirvana would be to get it to run totally unprivileged, which is what we're working very heavily on now. Mm -hmm. um, the last tool that we've sort of developed is um, that we're, I'm going to be talking about in my talk is a thing called Podman. And Podman is a uh, um, it's a manager of pods. And for those that don't know, pods is the, a term that Kubernetes created for running. Uh, it's a one or more containers running in the same environment. So if you wanted to run um, three or four containers together, um, you can you would create a pod. Um, mm -hmm. So pod is a manager of containers and you know multiple containers running inside of the same um, same environment. So, so sharing things like the network and other um, tools. But uh, we decided to, to build the Podman tool um, mainly because we needed a, a sort of a CLI that people could experiment with the technologies that we've built. I um, mean, we decided to just take the Docker CLI and copy it. So, so for, for pretty much every Docker command you can execute, uh, if you just change the word uh, Docker to Podman, it will you know execute the same commands. And, um, mm. Uh, so it's it's a nice, real nice replacement. Again, it doesn't use any demons, so it just you know you're, the the container ends up being a child of the the Podman process. Um, okay. Unlike unlike Docker, which is a client server operation, it's you know, uh, but it should be very familiar to anybody who wants to play with it. And the main goal, the original goal, is to be able to diagnose issues that happen in cryo. Um, mm -hmm. You know, and have a familiar interface. But uh, a lot of people are now playing with it. Um, has a tool for just launching containers. So if you want to run a simple container at boot time, you can put Podman inside of a um, you know systemd unifile, and boom, you have a you know, to pull down the container and run it, and you can just manage it just like you know any other um, surface on your machine, and you don't have to you know fire up a big container daemon and just to run containers on your host. You can just run them locally. Right, so, right. so the, the, these are all the technologies that I'll be talking about in my next generation to talk at the, at the summit. That's probably the that's my uh, big talk. Mm -hmm. um, 
couple other talks I'm involved with at the summit are uh, well, traditional. The traditional SE Linux talk um, that I'll be talking about is actually there's three of us talking, sort of a panel discussion. Um, but one of the things I uh, the main focus I will have on there is explaining why uh, SE Linux and containers is like peanut butter and jelly. It's just a perfect match. Mm-hmm. That you know, cont- containers are processes on a system, but um, you know, you, we want to make sure that the you know uh, containers actually contain as uh, fairly um, a statement I made several years ago when talking about container security. You know, talked about how containers can um, you know potentially break out, and mm-hmm. uh, I believe that SE Linux is the best tool for actually making sure that containers stay in, in their place. And uh, SE Linux really protects the file system in the case of containers, so we want to. You know, we've seen a couple of breakouts, a couple of uh, ways mm-hmm. that containers have broken out of container processes, broken out of their namespaces. Um, but when they've gotten out to the system, they haven't been able to do anything because SA Linux was basically saying, hey, you're only allowed to read and write a container file type. You're not able to you know, look at Etsy Shadow, even though you're running as root. And um, so SA Linux is, is core to that. Um, but that all, so. That part is, you know, really good that SE Linux helps containers out. But on the other hand, uh, one of the problems with SE Linux has always been the, uh, you know, the huge complexity of the Linux operating system. Mm-hmm. And what I'm talking about there is, you know, SE Linux controls information flow between, you know, different processes and different daemons. Um, and that, you know, if you look at something like Apache or, uh, or a database, they always implement, you know, 20 different ways that they could communicate, you know, via the file system, via the network, via Unix domain sockets, yep. via shared, shared memory. Uh, yeah. And anytime you want to, you know, write a Linux policy for that, you know, invariably someone's going to configure the Apache server in a different way that wasn't expected. And SE Linux is going to, you know, say no, and someone's going to get confused. You have to tell SE Linux that, you know, to allow this. Uh, but when we get to containers, uh, containers actually um, really cut cut off the communication. So mm-hmm. the, the, only, the only default way that containers really communicate is, is through network interfaces. Um, mm-hmm. So so we can take, um, you know, if, if all applications end up running inside of containers, we can just take SE Linux and wrap the outside of the container and say, you know, you know, you can do anything you want inside the container. Um, but if you try to break out, you know, we, SE Linux is going to step in and, and block you from, you know, interacting with it. So SE mm-hmm. Linux uh, containers actually simplify the operating system a thousand percent. And mm-hmm. I always, I always hold up the uh, an Android phone at this point and just point out that, uh, you know, 90% of all um, Android operating systems now have SE Linux in a forcing mode, and there is no set and force zero for it. And the mm-hmm. reason for that is because pretty much cell phones are running containers. You know, we call it, they call them apps, but they're pretty much containers. So, mm-hmm. so that, yep. that's, you know, hopefully that, that's about my five minute talk at the end of that. And then we'll be answering questions. And uh, so we'll have a couple of the people who from the SE Linux team will be there and, to, and generalize talk. Nice. Um, the other talk, uh, there's actually a couple of labs that we're doing, uh, really great labs, but I, I'm afraid if people get a chance to get into them, they really should take advantage. We, the, it's a practice it's called the Practical Introduction to Container Security, and it really gives you a deep dive into you know, 
these, you know, how SE Linux works with containers, but also how, you know, SecComp and other uh, advanced capabilities and ability to add and remove capabilities and all sorts of uh, deep dives into the, the technology um, works. It's all self-paced um, and I, you know, myself and a couple of the engineers who work on containers, you know, run around and help people answer, ask questions, answer questions and stuff. But um, it's two hours long. We're actually running it twice this year because it's so highly rated. Um, yeah. The problem is this is limited attendance. I think there's like 150 slots for each one of them, so 300 yeah. slots. And I don't know. It's, I don't know how many people attend this the summit, but every year it oh, seems to go up. Yes, goes up by a couple of thousand every year. So, yeah. um, if you haven't signed up for this class and you want to learn about container security, it's there's nothing like it. So, how about yeah, you? What so, are you What are you doing at the summit? Oh, what am I doing? So, uh, I'm I'm like just sort of uh, there for quality control uh, for part of it, and then. Um, the other part is um, I'm hosting the uh, government uh, luncheon, uh, so that's that's I'm excited. That's finally uh, coming together with getting our speakers. Um, we're going to have uh, instead of it being uh, a, mostly a U.S. government-based uh, panel, we're actually opening it up to be a little bit more international. So we'll have the British Army on the panel as well, we're talking about their yeah all their Ansible work that they've been doing in the British Army, and then um, we have the uh, we're going to the state of California there um and i just talked to them today and that was that was a pretty cool thing and then uh, a large integrator uh general dynamics uh is going to be there and and talking about some of the cultural things and the the things that they face as a large integrator um as you know uh, you know to be relevant in the in the industry and we have a small integrator as well nci uh that has uh they, they've been on like a lot of the um agile procurement vehicles so okay. as uh yeah, so talking about like DevOps and having minimal viable products instead of doing like these big RFP responses, um, it's it's a really neat sort of uh, uh, cross section of you know traditional integrators, people from the government, people from overseas, uh, little integrators and all that, and really talking about it's it's mostly focused on like culture and and uh, people in process and not as much on technology. The technology is supporting it, but not necessarily the, but it's like you could have the greatest technology in the world, but if, if you haven't adjusted your culture uh, to accommodate that technology, you're just doing containers with waterfall techniques and that doesn't right. help you as much. Yeah. I remember a couple of years ago, I was at um, one of these sessions and I think somebody from the uh, uh, ISC, uh, what's the, the one that does a stock exchange, SEC, Yes, he was there, and they were talking about how they, um, as I recall, there was, I think Google accidentally leaked their earnings a couple of days early, and there was a Mm -hmm. huge, huge hit at the SEC um, website, and they were able to, um, you know, basically scale out into the cloud and not, you know, the the old crashing of the server because too many people are hitting you unexpectedly. And Mm -hmm. uh, that that was, uh, I found a very interesting talk about how, how, handle that uh using you know a lot of the new technologies and stuff and um and it's really cool um uh, speaking of government uh one of the things uh, my team's been working at is actually getting uh fips mode into containers so um, oh. we actually just got some patches in in the last couple of days and um it, it is it, we've been dealing for those that don't know fips mode is a uh um is a government standard that uh, controls what uh what APIs or what's the crypto 
uh, libraries are allowed to use. So what they, the government does is they standardize, they, they figure out which which algorithms they still trust. And um, if they if you put a machine into FIPS mode, then any algorithms that they don't trust aren't able to be used. Mm-hmm. Uh, when, FIPS, when FIPS mode gets turned on, though, um, uh, there's a flag in the uh, Linux kernel and uh, LiveSSL, which is the main library that we use for crypto libraries, uh, looks sees that flag um, turned on and basically, you know, stops any callers from using, you know, old and uh, less trusted, uh, uh, either either brand new algorithms or old and untrusted yes. algorithms were being used. Um, so there's a there's a problem with containers in that uh, actually to get uh, the library into FIPS mode to get LiveSSL in FIPS mode, there actually is two things that have to happen. And one of those is, uh, you know, the kernel flag being set, uh, which all containers can see. But there's also this file Etsy, there's a file that has to be installed on the system called Etsy system-fips. So it's just a, mm. just a file that the library looks for. And if that, li- that file isn't, isn't in the, uh, in the, you know, installed in the system, the library will not go into FIPS mode. Okay. Um, and so, all of a sudden we have containers coming out and obviously containers don't have this file in it. So when we first talked about it, I said, well, why don't we just throw that file into, uh, you know, the base images. So everybody, every container that's based off a real image would have that file. And if someone turns the kernel onto FIPS mode, boom, we'll have, uh, um, you know, all systems able to run in FIPS mode. And mm-hmm, I talked mm-hmm. to, I talked to Steve Grubb about this great idea of mine. And he said, he, uh, Wanted me not to do it because uh, just creating the file Etsy system FIPS mode actually causes the LiveSSL library to do um, some heavy processing even before it checks to see if the uh, kernel flag is is enabled. I think I guess it's something in the FIPS standard that says if you have this, you know, if if this indicator is on the system, then it has mm-hmm. to do um, checks. Um, so just creating that file on disk will cause your crypto libraries to get a little less performant. So hmm. we didn't want all the, all the containers to do that. So we wanted to figure out a way to make containers work with FIPS mode. And so we found a little hack. And that hack is uh, if you create the file as a symbolic link and you don't have the symbolic link, um, if you basically have a hanging symbolic link, the library continues to work without causing performance, even if you're not in FIPS mode. Um, and so what we do in the libraries now is we complete the symbolic link when you're in FIPS mode. So the, the mm-hmm. container runtimes like Cryo and Podman and Builder now look for on the host to see if Etsy system FIPS mode is, is uh, exist and actually goes and creates a file in the container that the container image links to the link gets complete and the library gets fired up and everything works so it's kind of cool that we got it in and so all of our containers will run in FIPS mode that being said go right now the go language which all these tools are written in is not FIPS compliant so right we're working heavily to get uh, the FIPS compliant um, you know into into the go Go language, and hopefully, I've heard some really good news over the last few weeks that uh, that's going to oh. happen soon. So as soon as that's it good. does, we yeah. should be able to satisfy government standards for running containers in FIPS mode. So it's just, you know, I think we'd be the only ones, uh, you know, Red Hat, you know, su- supported products would be the only ones that have this capability at this point. So it'd be really cool. Yeah. And that's yeah, those and patches that's... winning this week. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh wow! Yeah, because well the. 
Um, yeah, the thing with Golang is it, it's uh, those the cryptogra- uh, cryptographic libraries are implemented in Go as opposed to just deferring to the operating system cryptography. And so that's so it's it's a heavy lift uh, for us to do. So I'm I'm glad we're making some progress there. Yeah, I understand. The, the way I understand it is the uh, um, some of the basically our tools guys, the you know the real GCC experts and things like that have are implementing something where um, Go language will be smart enough to know that if it's in FIPS mode, it won't use a native implementation oh, okay. of crypto libraries. It would call out to LiveSSL when it, when the machine's in FIPS mode. Okay. I, I believe that's uh, coming very very soon. So hopefully that's we exciting. can uh, announce it sometime during the summer that we actually have fully running container environments that are in FIPS mode for satisfying government standards. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That that makes me happy. Um, that's awesome. Yeah. All all those beers and chicken wings are paying off with. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I guess so. the, the, the engineers, right? Yeah. Yeah, so I, I mean, I hear there's there's a lot of fun things going to be going on at the summit this year too. So uh, you know, the, the night uh, different parties and yeah. things like that. And uh, um, so, I mean, if you ha- haven't signed up for the summit at this point, uh, I think you you know really uh, need to be out there in San Francisco. I guess it's it's a week from yeah. Monday. Yeah, well, I guess well, yeah. when this is, it's uh, I think it's May eighth is when it starts. Yep. Or May ninth. Yes, eighth, ninth, and tenth. And and we got Weezer playing. Are you are you going to bring your uh, Weezer T-shirt? Sure, sure. Yeah, good. Yeah, good. And, uh, uh, also, there's uh, there's rumors that there might be a new coloring book coming out too. Um, oh. Uh, so uh, we've been working heavily on that. You know, that's uh, that's the one thing I can show to my mother that she actually understands. So I'd like to, you know, <laughs> I, uh, this is this will make me a three-time publisher. So. Uh, oh wow. It's awesome. So you're, you're, it, like the Stephen King of, yeah. you're, you're like the yeah. Stephen King of coloring books. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. Although I put a few words down in Maureen Duffy, who's my uh, illustrator, who is absolutely tremendous. And, and um, she, she does all the work and then I get the credit for it. So it's, it's a, it's a win-win for me. That's for sure. Um, but she's, <laughs> she's re- wait, wait till you see this thing. She's really stepped up at work. She has, it's a, it's a based on superheroes. So it's, oh. it's a, lo- loosely based on, um, um, you know, you know, all these uh, superheroes getting together to save the world type movies that are coming out now, like the justice league of America and uh, yeah. the Avengers and stuff like that. And, uh, so the, this case, case is that they're the, uh, uh, container commandos. And so, okay. it's, uh, uh, but, uh, I'm sure they will be all over the, uh, interwebs, uh, as soon mm-hmm. as we, uh, as soon as the summit comes on. So that, and we're real excited about that too. It's sort of a, a fun thing to do. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay, you gonna do anything else fun while you're in San Francisco? Uh, I probably I've been to San Francisco so many times, but we, we've talked about potentially going down to. Uh, uh, we're going. My wife and I are gonna go out a couple of days early and uh, may, maybe go down south, down to some of the uh, south, and maybe out to some of the beaches and stuff. Although, mm. and it never seems to be warm enough to actually be at the no. beach in San Francisco, but no. Um, so yeah, we'll we'll figure out. Last time we uh, two years ago we went out to Napa Valley, which was fun. Uh, but mm. my wife my wife likes to tag along to you know uh, see what's going on. And but yeah. mainly be focused on all the summit stuff. And you know, as I yep. said, there's so, there's so much going on there that 
I'm not even sure what the big surprise is. Usually they have some big surprise party and stuff. So we'll see what's going on. And I got to do my annual, you know, 5K, which you know I think of as a marathon. But you know, (laughs) get up get up at 6 a.m. Wednesday uh, and and do my 5K. So that's that's always fun to do, and and it makes me behave on Tuesday night. So yeah, right. Yeah, or or just go right from the bars to the uh, where where you're running (laughs) to the close of the bar. Yeah. Yeah, I'm in I'm in no condition to do that. So I usually try to <laughs> try to get to bed by about nine or ten o'clock at night. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay, Dan. Yeah, I hope, well, I, I hope to yeah. see you out there running this year. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I will be. Um, yeah. The uh, to quote my uh, the one deacon at my church, uh, the only exercise he gets is he is uh, jumping to conclusions. <laughs> so, okay. Yeah. But uh, but great, Dan. I'm glad you're able to join us and give us this preview. But uh, if people wanted to get the show notes and the links to everything, yeah. um, what's what should they set their uh, homepage to? Yeah, it's a, well, it's where I have my homepage uh, set for years now. You know, the dgshow.org, and that's uh, yeah. uh, uh, D as in Dave and G as in Gunner. And, and yeah. Gunner never seems to be around when I'm talking. So I don't know. He's, yeah. he's probably I probably intimidate him a little bit or something. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. It's the way it goes. Yep. Yeah. So, all right, Dan. Well, hey, thanks for joining, and we'll catch everybody later. All right, great. See you. Hopefully, see everybody at the summit.